welcome to episode 71 of the Adelan Rising podcast. We're your hosts, Saren, Lynn, and Adam. In today's episode, we continue our trip back through time and we'll be discussing Nova issues 13 to 22, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 through 12, and Secret Invasions in Humans. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. How are we doing today? Still in lockdown, so that's fun. I'm still. I like, made bagels. They do. They look like good bagels. They do look like good they, bagels. They are good bagels. And they are they poppy seed bagels. Yes. So if you had if you ate one and then had a drug test about twenty four hours later, you potentially could test positive for uh, for uh, drugs. You could. So we're lucky we're on lockdown. <laughs> right. That is true. Uh, just one of those so, really, it's one of those really weird things about poppy seeds because obviously they're used in in certain good drugs and bad drugs. And they're used in lemon poppy seed muffins, which are also delightful. That's good. I have no idea what they are. They're good. And uh, you should try egg bagels next. I don't know if egg bagels are just an East Coast bagel thing or not. If you get a chance to make egg bagels, you should do it. I'll look because that one up. The we have them over here too, but I have not tried making them. You should try those next because egg bagels are the best bagels. Yeah, I have to admit, in the UK, bagels are not pushed particularly hard. They're not. A- New Jersey has the best bagels. And if you come to NYCC, if we ever have it again, although it hasn't been canceled yet, but keyword here is yet. Um, I am bringing you the best bagels ever. So just so you know, I think <laughs> I think two trips in America to America in one year for me is going to be uh, is going to be very difficult to be able to afford. But, I know. Yeah, you know, I'd love. To Maybe come. I'll try and sneak them on the plane for C two E two. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, you can put them in your um, if you take a carry uh, not carry on if you take a um a packed case. Yeah, they go stale really quick though, so they'd probably yeah. be a rock by the time I got there. How's, how's Animal Crossing going? So how's Animal Crossing going, guys? Lynn surpassed me, and I'm a bit bitter about it, but terraforming gives me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm at that it's point. It's so tedious. I, I'm at that point where I need to unlock terraforming, but I just don't have the drive to get to that point where I can unlock it. And it's really frustrating <laughs> because I just started putting inclines in. I've just uh, Not inclines, I just started putting like staircases, bridges, and all that kind of stuff. But I still haven't unlocked the actual terraforming tool. Yeah, I had to terraform because I wanted to... I wanted a bridge or a ramp down to my secret, uh, my secret beach. So I had to, and I wanted it to be a sideways ramp, not the other way. So I had to dig out um, the appropriate blocks to be able to do that. And uh, yeah, so I kind of have to do it out of necessity if I want a ramp a certain way. (laughs) Yeah, I think I think all I want to do is to be able to recess the ramp a cliff face. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, you I, have to have terraforming to do that. Yeah, and I've kind of, I've kind of not got it yet, and I'm just like, I don't want to put a set of steps in before I have it. Yeah. I think you have to at least have one or two ramps up before you have it. Like, I think that's yeah. part of like pressing yeah. your town. That's the problem. And then what you have to do is just pay the 10k bell demolition fee and redo it, which is what I have to do for a couple of my ramps. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I've done is I've moved my museum because it was stuck right behind the services building. Yeah. yeah, I, I have. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep my my town. Um, I'm gonna keep my two my two my Abels and my uh uh Nook's cranny behind the resident services building because I like them there. So they're gonna stay there. But then if if it expands and we get kicks and Leafs little stores, then I might move them. We'll see. I've got to move. I got a new. I, and you know what I what kind of annoys me is I wanted to move um Claudia's house. But then she moved away, and I was like, oh, well, maybe I can move the plot without her being there. And you can't. 
and that annoyed me. I wanted to move the plot before a villager moved in, but I had to wait for a villager to move in that plot before I could move it, and that bummed me out. Wow, that's a bit... It does suck, and I was like, well, that sucks. Um, so uh, I have to wait for Bree the Mouse to move in, and then I can move that house and maybe start more passing. We'll see. Sounds good. But Lynn, you've, uh, I think by this point, busy. yeah, by this point, you're gonna gonna have uploaded the uh, the codes to our Twitter, right? Oh yeah, right. you you've got some I've really been, uh, great, really great patterns. I've been very busy making Inhumans theme patterns, and uh, today I just got finished taking screen captures of all the codes. <laughs> so I will be posting them up to Twitter, and you'll be able to find them. I've got some sweaters. Some hoodies. I've got a Moon Girl sweater that I'm very proud of. I actually made my uh, Animal Crossing character look like Moon Girl now. <laughs> I've got all the parts. And yeah, she is adorable. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. It's great. It's so good. It is great. It's so good. I love it. And now I just need to get you your kaiju or your dinosaur. for. Uh... And, you know, the first day I play with her in Animal Crossing, I complete my T-Rex skeleton. Coincidence? I don't no. think so. I don't think so either. I, I don't just, think you just so. Go at all. Around the museum and like just pretend it alive. <laughs> that would be so. And my my patterns are very popular on the island. I've got Ursula wearing a crystal sweater right now. Excellent. Ursula has excellent taste because Crystal's my favorite. So he, he sent me the picture earlier, and it was it was it was great. It was so good. I enjoyed that. Yeah, you need to post that one on uh, Twitter too yeah. because that was that was pretty fantastic. <laughs> Ursula's got excellent taste. I love the villagers. They're so great. I need to start putting a bit more effort. Yeah, I just um, actually spent a good like a portion of time yesterday writing letters to all my villagers so that they love me. But I still <laughs> haven't gotten a picture from any of them because that means they love you the most if they give you their picture. And I haven't gotten any of that yet from any of them. And I'm very sad. So I have to. I'm clearly a very antisocial because I just. Oh, I, I just, haven't. I talk I'm to trying... them and then disappear. I'm trying to get Leopold to leave, so I haven't talked to him in, like, two weeks. And then I, unfortunately, uh, ran into him the other day and accidentally talked to him. And then he's like, where have you been? I haven't seen you in two weeks. And I'm like, oh, uh, he's like, welcome back. And I'm like, oh, you're mad at me. I'm like, good, because I don't want you here anymore. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I just haven't, I, I mean, at least I haven't hit him with the net yet, like, repeatedly to make him cry. This is so, a re- this is a reminder to to not not live in the same neighborhood as Saren. Uh, <laughs> if I don't want you in my neighborhood, I'll just ignore you. That's all. <laughs> if I really hate you, I'll hit you with the net until you cry to make you leave. Or I'll complain not, to Isabel. Not about just you, in Animal Crossing about. either. What? Not just in Animal Crossing either. <laughs> so, so I haven't complained to Isabel yet about him, but I, I just there's something I don't like about him. And I know I've had some smug villagers before that I do like, and I just don't like I don't like Leopold. At first I did, and then I'm like, no, no, I don't like you. <laughs> so he needs to go. Fair enough. But yeah, so so those um, codes, I think, will be up on the Twitter by the time this episode goes out for the for, for Lynn's outfits, right? That's right. Cool. So that's good. If I'm missing one of your favorites, just let me know. I'll try and make something. The, the other thing that I've been up to during uh, lockdown is um, basically topping my Goodreads challenge up. <laughs> I think before before lockdown, I was consistently like, five or six books behind my target and now i'm like 10 10 books in front but i think i'll uh i think we'll talk about our kind of lockdown habits at the end of the episode i have not been reading much during lockdown because if i'm not playing animal crossing i'm playing world of warcraft so 
my reading list will will be very sad because unless you want to count like reading the lore in World of Warcraft because the storyline for <laughs> Jaina Proudmoore has been excellent this expansion. Um, so if you like WoW and you've lapsed on playing, I highly recommend you go to WoWpedia and Google Jaina's story because it is absolutely amazing and she's a badass and you will love her. So that's what I've been doing. WoW has reclaimed my soul and I love it. So anything else you want to add, Lynn? Anything, any other lockdown uh, suggestions from you? Uh, well, you know, in our house, we have a lot of books. Yep. A lot of books. So we've been trying to read what we've got on the shelves. I mean, you basically have like a library wing, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, you've got plenty of reading material. You know what's so funny? Right now I'm uh, reading Seven Soldiers of Victory by Grant Morrison. Yeah, and, and you, you showed me a, screen, a, a picture of that. Yes, I need to have a look at that. See if... It's got Fraser Irving and Simone Bianchi in it, so I was sold. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty oh, that's much what sold me book. as well. That's going to yeah. be a pretty book. Anyway, should we move on to the reviews for our continuation of uh, Road to War of Kings? Let's do it. Okay, so first on our list of reviews is Nova Issues 13 to 22. Uh, it was written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning. Penciler was Wellington Alves, Gerardo Borges, Andrea DeVito. Inca was Scott Hanna. Colorist is Guru EFX and Bruno Hang. And letterer is Corey Petit. Again, I apologize if I have butchered any of those names. <laughs> so the story within the Road to War of Kings follows our favorite human rocket, Richard Ryder. At this point within the Nova story, he has been sharing his mind with a Xandarian world mind. Previous to this, we see Richard end the Annihilation series. He meets Dractor, Destroyer, and Gamora. We see the first appearance of Nowhere, as well as him almost succumbing to the ph- uh, Phalanx and losing the world mind altogether, although this this happens more than once. The initial story for Nova Road to War of Kings saga involves Nova attempting to save an entire race of people from the Wrath of Galactus. It's a three-issue series where we see Nova take on an evil being called Harrow that has an ability to take over others and ultimately wants to get to Galactus as he's seen as the perfect host. Nova has to deal with a few things in this run. He deals with the leader of the planet, suggesting that the rich and worthy are the only ones that they're going to evacuate. Nova has some real problems with that and ends up saving the entire planet instead. He manages to get the backing of the Silver Surfer to remove the evacuees from the planet's surface, buying him a few hours. So Harrow, being the recurring villain of his story, appears again once Nova has saved the planet. Nova then tries to get him eviscerated underneath a launching ship, which apparently works. Nova cannot then escape from the planet. Doing some quick thinking, he ends up on Galactus's ship. Soon, Nova finds out Harrow has also survived and ended up on Galactus's ship. Ultimately, Nova once again fights Harrow and manages to be saved by the one and only Galactus himself, which was obviously pretty surprising. The Silver Surfer says that Galactus doesn't let people go more than once and tells Nova to leave, which then leads us into the secret invasion storyline. The next arc of Nova focuses on the secret invasion event as it begins with Nova trying to save some innocent kids when some familiar looking skulls appear and attack Nova. Uh, Clert, a scroll that appeared earlier in the Nova series, explains to Nova that the war is happening again on Earth. So Nova and Clert get back as quickly as possible to find a huge fleet of scroll ships. Clert takes out Nova to join the rest of the scrolls. So I put join in inverted commas there. Nova meets with the rest of his family and then works with his brother on Project Pegasus, who are protecting an artifact that they managed to get their hands on, which the scrolls now want. 
Dark Hawk is also the uh, superhero working on Project Pegasus, and they're using him for protection. They work together and try and protect the facility. Uh, Nova tries to use the artifact that Project Pegasus has to try and rebuild the world mind. And apparently it works, but world mind appears to be in the shape of Wendell Vaughn, Quasar. Nova, Quasar, Dark Hawk, and the soldiers of Pegasus then work to protect the facility, trying to keep the scrolls at bay, ensuring they don't get hold of anything from within the building. Worldmind, who is now operating outside of the body of Richard, ends up taking control over the defense systems and operating the droids, helping the heroes in their fight. With that, Worldmind informs Nova that the scrolls have a plan. If they cannot take Pegasus with a ground invasion, they will send in their big guns, an entire scroll gunship which is soon dispatched. Nobody can understand why until a squad of Nova Centurions appear out of the sky. A nice surprise for Richard. So the next few issues of this arc focuses on Nova coming to terms with the fact that he has a team again. The world mind is seemingly acting on his own to recruit, and uh, Nova has understandable anxiety of recruiting people with lack of experience. The first issue shows him developing this new team, dealing with problems on Earth, managing to defeat the Serpent Society with ease. There are interludes throughout his story as well where we see Richard return to see the new warriors, the original new warriors, trying to get some advice from his former teammates when apparently Ego the Living Planet appears in the sky. Nova investigates only to discover that this would become Xandar 2.0 and the new home of the newly reformed Nova Corps. Worldmind somehow manages to change physics on the planet to ensure that it doesn't have an adverse effect on Earth. Nova returns to Earth where he's intercepted by the Fantastic Four, explaining the situation and getting the FF up to date with all the recent ongoing events, when Richard's brother, a newly recruited Nova Centurion, appears in the background with the world mind. Nova confronts the world mind for doing all of this, feeling it's wrong. Soon, the Nova force is removed from him. The final issue prior to War of Kings shows Richard coming to terms with not having the Nova Force. His dad having to take him around the car when he returns back to Project Pegasus, where he is told that because he took on the burden of the world mind, he has 48 hours to live. And that's where it ends. I, I really like this run, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you've been excited about this one for a while. Yeah, I, I think I think this um, particular run, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it out of the way now, written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning and it's just such a I, I really enjoy their writing, I really enjoy what they do, um, and what they have done but also I've met Dan Abnett as well he's a really nice guy because he, um, he works a lot with uh, the Games Workshop Black Library which basically produces all the Warhammer 40k uh, books and stuff and he's written an awful lot for them when I used to be into to Warhammer and uh, yeah he's, he's, he's a super, super nice guy what did you guys think? I was actually surprised how much I liked it. Yeah. Because uh, when you brought it up that you wanted to do Nova, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Space cops. You know, I like space pirates. I like space cowboys. I like space wizards. Space cops are way down the list. Yeah. I, I, I kind of. Yeah, I kind, kind of how I felt about one. Green Lantern. I like some of them. I like Blackest Night, but yeah, I, I can take or leave the Green Lantern stories yeah I, I think i think for me is because this one you don't have the whole of the nova core around him and uh it's just the fact that he is alone and he's kind of got this world mind and if you don't know what a world mind is then you might want to go back and reread parts of house of x powers of x because uh it does the world mind does actually get mentioned in that but there's some i i think for me this book is such a good place to start like the whole with the whole of marvel um 
obviously I wouldn't say give it as a uh, <laughs> as just a gift to say here you go here's a Marvel comic book and people just get it and they have no idea where they are but if you're slowly getting into that kind of cosmic side this is a really good place to run because it kind of touches on all different parts of familiar Marvel places. There are a lot of guest stars. Yes, yeah. I mean, we've got the fan. I mean, just in this, I think this twelve issue run, you've got the Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Galactus, um, Ego, Ego. Yeah, and I, I think that was my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that was a really interesting thing, and it kind of what I kind of liked is that it 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 was dealing with just like real like base emotions, you know, real simple kind of simple things. Uh, one of them that kind of struck out to me was uh, sibling rivalry. Just with uh, just with Richard and his brother, I thought that was kind of a, a cool touch. And you know, when we talk about you know, the world mind being brought up in X Men, and now we you know go back and world mind is in this world mind is just not very nice. No, we find he uh, he's been gaslighting Richard into thinking he's crazy. Yeah, well, that's playing out, I think, a bit too in um, Al Ewing's Guardians. If you're not reading that, you should be. I tell you what I did enjoy about this one is um, the Secret Invasion story and the Secret Invasion uh, bit. I think it was a nice take on that uh, kind of that aspect of it. It wasn't particularly involved in the Secret Invasion storyline, but it was very much like a like a this is this also happened. Um, I really enjoyed that story as well. But it was nice to see the original New Warriors during that as well. Yep. So now I need to go back and buy <laughs> lots of New Warriors traits. <laughs> So I'm hoping they do the epic collections of those. That would be and good. Speaking of you know, collected editions, I, I got out the Ro- Road of Road to War of Kings omnibus. I still need to get started. that. It's a it's a big book. It is yeah. a very big book, and it's very pretty too. I took the dust jacket off of it, and it actually has a splash page of Guardians of the Galaxy as the cover. Oh, really? I I I haven't yeah. taken off the cover for mine. Yes, now I need to go downstairs and uh, take some slipcovers off and see what's uh, yeah underneath these. Yeah, I'll go see that as well. Well, didn't I mean... that happen with the Black Bolt one, too? Yeah. I wonder how many things have a surprise cover. <laughs> I'm going to have to – I still have to pick up that omnibus. It's it's big. I, have I need to, to – I've read it all. Like, everything I read is – like, everything is in Marvel Unlimited, but that's how I've been kind of reading these, but – I, I think um, I, I'm going to be really honest with you. I think I only got the Road to War of Kings and all the War of Kings stuff just because it's a it's an Inhumans book, but it looks really nice on your shelf, and you can kind of say, "I've got this big omnibus. Look at me." It's kind of a <laughs> it's a bit of a, bit of an ego boost there. Yeah, I need to pull out all my my. I need to seriously organize my comics in my room. It's it's bad. I know. I I know. I have something. That's War of Kings. Maybe I just have the collected edition. I don't know. I have to go through. I haven't. It's all packed away still. So um, the other thing I really liked about this uh, this run is it had the first appearance of Nowhere, which um, kind of became a big part of the Guardians of the Galaxy from uh, uh, from from James Gunn. And um, I think for for Guardians as well, Guardians is going to be another a good touch point, but. There's a lot of stuff in these runs that were taken for the Guardians of the Galaxy and the cosmic side of things, uh, I think, from these books. And uh, I really I really enjoyed that because these books were like less than, you know, what are they, 15 years ago? I think less yeah. than that. Yeah, so. no, less than that. You're like not even at 10, 
Yeah. This was uh, this was 2007, I want to say. So it's, it's so we're at about away. yeah, a little bit less than 15, but you're like 13 or 14. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I really like the fact that they use nowhere, and um, well, they're kind of not in the same way because nowhere in Nova is um, almost like a place where they sort of like it's a base of operations, but they kind of beam you out, and you have like a, a passport type thing, and they kind of beam you out to wherever you need to be in the universe. And uh, that's a really cool touch. I really like that. And also, Nova is incredibly underrated, I think. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll I be honest. I never really cared much for Richard Rider at all. Um, like, at all. And then, you know, because I will read just about anything Al Ewing writes, I started to... My interest started to peak a little bit in his recent Guardian run. So he has definitely grown on me. Yeah, I, I think um see when I when I first got into comic books I got the uh was it I think his name's Sam Alexander. Um, yes, I yeah. love Sam. I do. I, I love Sam. I I had a kind of a bit of a I kind of had a bit of a love hate relationship with that book because it was it was it was really good at some points but then it it wasn't great at others. Uh, it's like any book really I guess, but um I mean I had pretty much the whole of that Nova run. Um but I need to go back and collect up more Richard Ryder Nova, which there isn't actually that much, which, you know, it's kind of a shame because I think he is kind of a, there's so much you can do with him. And I think this is a really good example of how to kind of make a good story, um, particularly because it, I, I guess, because it leads into the War of Kings stuff. But maybe it's also because I enjoy uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning's writing as well. Um, Dan Abnett, I didn't realize how much he's not like I, I I know he did the War of Kings, but then I, and and the Secret Invasion, but I'm like, oh shit, he totally had control of Marvel's cosmic side. I'm sad we're not getting more of his writing. Yeah, I, I, what else did he do? He's done he's done more than that at Marvel. He did a lot of uh, I did he I think he did stuff for Marvel UK uh, back in the 90s, um, but I can't remember what at this point in time. <laughs> he's a he's a definitely a great writer. I think he's done. He's he's done. You know, dozens of books for the uh, for the Black Library from Games Workshop, and and clearly they always go down a hit because they're always really good sellers for them. But yeah, he's he's very good at he's very good at cosmic level stuff, and I'll give that to him. I guess moving on to Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, we shall do that. Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy one through twelve. This is the two thousand eight series. The writers are Dan Abnett and Annie Lanning. The artist, and forgive my mispronunciation, is Paul Pelletier. Pelletier? I'm not sure. Uh, the second arc artist is Brad Walker. Inkers are Rick Mygar and Victor Olazaba. Colorist, Nathan Fairbane and Will Quintana. Letterer, Joe Caramagna. Cover by Clint Langley. And editor, Bill Roseman. So this arc of Guardians of the Galaxy takes place in the aftermath of Annihilation and the Phalanx Conquest. Uh, the current team is Star-Lord, Rocket Raccoon, Baby Groot, Drax, Gamora, Mantis, Philavel, and Adam Warlock. This is a big team. Yeah, and this a, arc has a, a lot of characters. That's just who we start with. Yeah. The story opens with this reluctant team of very strong personalities battling the Universal Church of Truth. 
recently seen in Donny Cates run on Ardians. They're trying to stop the church from flying their temple ship into a fissure in space time and blowing up the galaxy. A subfissure opens near the font, which is the ship's battery, and a horrible tentacled monster emerges. Rocket blows up the font with one of the many bombs he carries on his person. Adam and Philovel absorb the energy and send the monster back to where it came from. And this is all very similar to the opening of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where they were fighting you know, the tentacle monster that was after the batteries. Oh, yeah. So there was a little bit of you know, combining the, the Sovereign with the Universal Church of Truth. Yeah, very, very much so in Guardians 2. <laughs> yeah. Especially with that end credit scene. Yes. Uh, I think the Sovereign's easier to explain than the Universal Church of Truth. Yeah, I, I think. Um, <laughs> I, I, sorry to interrupt you. I think. Uh, I think the it's Universal okay. Church, the Universal Church of Truth. Um, I think it plays too much off of the riff of religion and stuff, and I think it's a difficult yeah. road to go back uh, go down. <laughs> the Sovereign was a good compromise. Yes, definitely. So the main focus of the team is helping Adam Warlock repair the fissures in space time that are opening all over the galaxy as an after-effect of the Annihilation Wave. They adopt Nowhere as their headquarters, where Cosmo, yay, is the chief of security and a very good boy. Mantis is there, too, taking care of baby Groot. Mantis has more abilities in the comics, including precognition. She knows that they will be betrayed by one of their own, but telling them would be considered inappropriate. Personally, I would like to know. While repairing the next fissure, they find the classic Guardians of the Galaxy member, Major Victory, frozen in ice. He knows he's supposed to be in 2008, but he can't remember why. While the team is off repairing the third fissure at a Dyson Sphere research facility, Mantis and Major Victory are attacked by another classic Guardians of the Galaxy member, Starhawk. <laughs> at the research facility, the Guardians find that the researchers opened a fissure in their own DNA. And now everyone who worked in the sphere is now one big glob. They're interrupted by the arrival of cardinals from the Universal Church of Truth. The Universal Church of Truth kicks their asses, and with Adam down, Star-Lord comes up with a kind of okay plan to drop the sun shields and vaporize the monster and the fissure at the same time. Unfortunately, their teleporters stop working, and Phyla can't shield them, so Gamora makes a run for the off switch and is horrifically burnt. The Universal Church of Truth kicks their asses, and with Adam down, Star-Lord comes up with a kind of okay plan to drop the sun shields and vaporize the monster and the fissure at the same time. With their teleporters not working and Phyla unable to shield them, Gamora makes a run for the off switch and is horrifically burnt. Cutting back to the Universal Church of Truth, we see that they have a cocoon. But if Adam Warlock's not in that cocoon, who is? Now it's time for the Secret Invasion tie-in. An explosion out of nowhere kills or injures many of the crew, revealing that there's been a skull infiltration. Three of the victims reverted to their original skull forms. Cue the usual finger-pointing and distrust when scrolls are involved. FYI, there is a Marvel version of the Secret Hitler card game called Secret Scrolls that was a tie-in to Captain Marvel. Nowhere's administrative council is not amused by the situation, and their suspicion falls on Drax. Meanwhile, Mantis fears that the investigation will reveal that she tampered with the team's minds to make them come together as a team. Starhawk returns in female form, and she's not happy. 
The Guardians are messing with the timeline by forming before they're meant to. And to fix it, she's going to kill everyone. (laughs) But not before Drax kills everyone with a synapse disruptor for exactly 90 seconds in order to locate the scrolls. It turns out that the only remaining scrolls are pacifists that Cosmo's been hiding, who reveal the scroll plan to invade Earth to the Guardians. While Drax was sneaking around trying to root out the scrolls, he overheard Mantis and Star Lord talking about how they manipulated the team. He rats them out, and now everybody knows, and they're pissed. So the Guardians disband. Cut the Star Lord on Hala. He feels guilty for the fall of the Kree Empire due to the phalanx. He goes to help the Kree against the Skrulls, only to find that they've already repelled the Skrulls themselves and have built a babble spire out of them. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Star Lord tells him to shut it down. But Ronan fights him and sends him to the negative zone, where Blastar is the new king. Meanwhile, the Guardians, plus Bug and a full-grown Groot, battle the Beydoun while Adam and Gamora go to the Universal Church of Truth. Blastar wants Peter's help breaking into and taking over Prison 42, the super-powered prison from Civil War. Luckily for Peter, the team has been searching for him the whole time, and they teleport to the rescue. As Gamora and Adam confront the matriarch, Adam has foretold the War of Kings, but she expresses doubt that he's their messiah and commands her followers to open that cocoon. Blastar has gotten what he wanted from Prison 42, a trans-dimensional portal that leads to Earth. The Guardians teleport to Earth and warn Reed Richards of what's waiting on the other side of the portal, while Starhawk and Major Victory have a staring contest. She's also predicted the war. Meanwhile, Phyla and Drax go to see Mentor to ask if he thinks it's, if it's possible to bring Moondragon back from the dead. He thinks it is, so he kills them because apparently that's how we solve problems in Guardians of the Galaxy. Phyla and Drax go to a weird afterlife where they're attacked by Maelstrom, the servant of Oblivion. He leads them to the Dragon of the Moon, which swallows Phyla, and the newly resurrected quantum-like Quasar arrives to help. While Drax and Quasar battle Maelstrom, Phyla cuts her way out of the Dragon of the Moon, carrying a resurrected Moon Dragon. Phyla has made a mysterious deal with the dragon to get Moondragon back. Back on Titan, Moondragon gets a new clone body. Cutting back to Maelstrom, this is all part of the plan, and Death has a new avatar. I give this one a 5 out of 5 Lockjaws. It was excellent, if crowded. Yes. yeah. There is a lot that happens in 12 issues, and they just keep throwing characters at you. It's like information overload and a bit overwhelming. I, I think, um, and, and something I was just going to mention uh, about this one is is that it ties in kind of so so well with Nova that I think on on some parts of my review when I mentioned like um, you know working out of nowhere and, and doing that kind of stuff, that's primarily in Garden Guardians, but obviously it was its origin was in Nova. And that's the kind of thing I really like to see. It's just kind of, you know, you take aspects from one book, you kind of set up from the next book, um, and it's almost like it's almost like they did that so you didn't need a huge interrupt in interruption introduction into that uh, into that nowhere kind of that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, it is a very crowded book. <laughs> you could really, you know, I just really appreciated. Being able to see that they actually read these comics before making the movie. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think James Gunn must have been a a, a pretty big fan because I'm pretty because I mean he wrote the the movie, so I assume that 
he kind of had to ask, can I use this? Can I use this? Can I use this? Because you have like Ego, the living planet as well. And uh, which was a Fox um, asset as well at one point. So (laughs) I love the fact they had to work out how to take certain bits and uh, and make them good for for the movie. It's a big uh, Nicole Perlman, too, was a writer on Guardians, the first Guardians. Yes, she was. Okay. And she also wrote the Gamora solo comic as well, which is excellent if you haven't read it. What I didn't realize about Gamora was the fact that she, uh, in the comic books, she has like um, the the regeneration ability. Um, you know, she's very yeah. She to... she is yeah. She's heavily modified. Yeah. yeah in the, the comics, like to a the same level that. Um, why am I drawing a blank on her name when I love her? Uh... <laughs> oh, why can't I remember either? Nebula. Nebula. Thank you. In the comics, she's modified almost to a level that Nebula is. Yeah. But you just can't see it. Yeah. And it, it kind of surprised me because you kind of see um, when when Gamora gets really burnt up and then they spend like the next uh, 10 pages of the book basically showing her progressively getting more and more healed. It's not quite as quick as like someone like Wolverine, but it's still there and it's still kind of cool to see. But yeah, if you'd... If you told me in Guardians of the Galaxy the movie that that's what her powers were, I would wouldn't have been able to tell you if that was correct or not. And that is what, actually one of my favorite parts of this run is Gamora getting her big damn hero moment. Yeah, Gamora needs more love. She she definitely does. I think these because um, she was she was in Nova beforehand, and um, it kind of featured in the the Phalanx kind of storyline. And uh, she was kind of taken, you know, she kind of took on the phalanx and that kind of sort of taken on by the phalanx. And then Nova worked to kind of get rid of it out of her. And uh, yeah, she's she's a really cool comic book character. Um, definitely recommend reading more more of her books. I, I didn't really, I couldn't remember there was a, I didn't remember there was a, uh, a, a series about her. Uh, yeah, yeah, it recently. Was, yeah, within the last few years, I think it came out. After the first Guardians? No? No. I don't remember. It's only six, five or six issues long. It's, it's just a miniseries. Um, and I want to say that it was Ariel Olivetti on the art. Hold on. It was really good, though. Um, Nicole Perlman writes an excellent Gamora. Hold on. I got to figure out who the... Um, I got to figure out who the... Uh, now I'm going to... I'm not going to rest until I remember who the artist is. Sorry. <laughs> And now it's like bugging me and I'm Googling it right now as we speak because I need to know. Uh, and while Saren Googles that, I love it when Cosmo shows up. Yes. I just love Cosmo. Cosmo and Rocket and uh, just oh my like gosh. Their, their entire interaction. Again, they, they kind of featured in the Nova book as well. And it was just, it was so good. Cosmo just because they're character. both talking animals doesn't mean they get along. <laughs> Rocket hates Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like legitimately, like Cosmo. Is the, Cosmo is just my favorite animal out of the whole of Marvel. <laughs> other than even Lockjaw. more than Lockjaw. Other, other than Excuse Lockjaw. Me. Other than Lockjaw. I do love Cosmo. Cosmo's. <laughs> it's just Cosmo. like, and it's also the fact that they give him like, uh, you know, the Russian accent and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, it's just hilarious to read, you know. I'm still waiting for my Avengers team up. That is Lockjaw, Cosmo, and Lucky. And and Chewie 
and Jeff the Land Shark. <laughs> I need that. With the snakes from Doctor Strange being the villains. Yeah. That's what I need right now. Oh, I love the snakes. The snakes are great. I hope the snakes are in a movie. I really want to see the snakes in the next movie. I, I reckon they should be in a movie that's set on a plane that has Nick Fury. <laughs> like, and then then he can utter a famous phrase. Do you know who writes the best snakes, though? Kelly Thompson. That interaction in um, Jessica Jones, where Jessica and Elsa Bloodstone go to Doctor Strange, and the sna- and Elsa's interaction with the snakes are fantastic. I love the snakes. As we completely derailed this, but the snakes are the best. Also, uh, what's the name of Doctor Strange's dog? The ghost dog. I can't um, remember. Oh God, the one that Donny Cates killed. Bats. Bats. Yeah. 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 Uh, don't ever let Donny Cates write an animal ever. No, he'll Just... kill it. Although, he... Although anyway, I'll, I'll get to what I've been reading later. But um, let's <laughs> let's carry on with the review. The review. The fact that um, the event, uh, the Guardians find um, uh, what was the name again? Uh, they find a lot of people. I don't know. Uh, the guy in the ice. <laughs> guy in the ice. Major victory. In yeah. the ice, yeah, which so the, is so the, similar to how the Captain Avengers America. found Captain America in the ice. Yeah, and uh, I'm pretty sure that the um, the actual the frozen building was the Avengers Mansion as well. Yeah, and that was really yeah, they cool. the gates. Yeah, I I kind of enjoyed that, and it was like it was one of those things that kind of makes me want to go and read the original Guardians run as well. Um, and that's what I really love about this book is and, and Nova as well. It just makes me want to go back and read loads of other stuff. Um, I mean, reading this in itself has made me want to go back and read uh, Secret Invasion, and obviously, I've already reread House of M from our previous episode. So, and that's what I really enjoy. That's what I really, really like about these books. Is there yeah, so? There, there's a lot of reading assignments that come out of this. <laughs> yes, with all the characters who just show up, and they kind of expect that you know who they are. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if that kind of lets it down slightly. I mean, I guess because because us guys have been you know, around comics for a, a, a while. Um, I don't know if that, that it's just because we already know them that uh, we, we kind of had a good, good run on this, but I guess somebody who's going to come in fresh to this may think I have no idea who any of these people are. Well, that's how I got into comics as a kid. When you're, you, you start in the middle of a story because that's the comic you picked up. Yeah. And there's all these other characters and now you have to go, and dig up all the other issues that they were in to figure out who they are. <laughs> did you ever? Did you ever pick up like the the accidentally pick up the last issue in like a uh, an event run, like uh... all the time? <laughs> I didn't have it digital like kids these days. <laughs> oh, don't put it like that. <laughs> it's like. kids these days. Days. Ah, oh, I had to dig through the. Boxes of back issues. Oh. I was say, you'll I be hope telling, something was there. You'll be telling those kids to get off your lawn soon. It's like uh... yes. <laughs> I used to have to walk to the comic book store uphill both ways oh. in the snow with a bear chasing me. Because <laughs> you live in the yeah. boonies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So, so I think that's what's really good about these these books is just the. Like it's it's a bit like um 
you know, it's a bit like a, you know, you go to one book and then you go to another book and then that'll take you to another book. And, you know, this is a really it's good example. It's just a waterfall effect. Exactly, yeah. But That's basically how it happened with comics for me. But I wasn't a child. I was a full-grown adult when I discovered them. But that's basically what happened. It was I, I just a re- weird trajectory for me. But I don't know how I got into the Inhumans from Black Widow. But whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> I think um I think for me it was picking up um Avengers Assemble back in 2012 just before the Avengers movie came out. Um that was very good. I enjoyed that and then and then it's literally a waterfall and it's nearly 10 years later. So just great. Avengers Assemble? It was oh god. Yeah, that story arc, my favorite story arc in that though is uh the one where um it's uh Spider-Woman and Hulk versus uh Tony and Thor, and at the very end, Tony and <laughs> and Hulk have to walk down the street naked. That was great. Yeah, I think my favorite one out of that, just out of um, nostalgia's sake, is the one that featured the Gu- the Guardians. Uh, so this yes. is the first eight issue story. I think that's my favorite. But talking about like comic book versus movie, though, um, comic like we're, we're talking about. Um, Talk about Gamora having very different powers, but comic book Drax is very different from movie Drax. Uh, I like movie Drax. Movie Drax is amazing. I like movie Drax better. He's he's got more personality instead of being this just sort of generic tough guy that he is in this run. Yeah, right. And Dave Dave Bautista, like his delivery of Drax is like just so fantastic. You know, when you see that a wrestler has become an actor, you don't, you know, um, maybe it's me. I didn't expect him to be so good. I didn't either. And yeah. he's honest, great in everything he does. He was amazing in the Blade Runner movie. He was also in. Uh, he was in the one with the uh, the hotel with Jodie Foster, like the hospital hotel. What was that? Oh, I can't remember. Oh, it was great. He was also in uh, in, in James Bond as well. Yeah, and, and he's like, going to be in Dune. Yeah, yeah. He's... I'm very happy for him. Him but... and uh, The Rock, because they're both really good guys, and I'm just glad that they've found success outside of in other venues. I think it it's, I think it's when you look at uh, like like other wrestlers that have become actors yeah. that don't necessarily get that delivery right or right. You know, His timing is so yeah. good. Yeah. Hotel Artemis. It was great. I think the so thing I, I think the thing about wrestlers becoming actors is they know how to act to begin with, so Right. <laughs> Has to. But no. All right, so my story about Dave Batista is that um in college, uh we all went to the Outback Steakhouse in my college town after finals and we were sitting there eating and he and another wrestler, I wanna say it was Triple H, were like at the table caddy corner to us and people were just kind of quiet and staring because wrestling was big. <laughs> the town I went to. So I ate at the same Outback Steakhouse as Dave Batista about 15 years ago now. <laughs> so, yeah. That's my... that's my uh, Brush with celebrity. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I wish I had known then like that he was going to... Like, if I had been like clairvoyant or something, I totally would have gone up to his table and been like, you're going to be in Guardians of the Galaxy. And he would have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then he'd be like, what the fuck is Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I mean... <laughs> 15 years ago, Guardians of the Galaxy was a pretty niche thing. So <laughs> I don't even know if it existed 15 years ago. Maybe it did. Oh, yeah, it did. Comics, yeah. yeah. 
but that it was very new. Then. I thought it was Guardians of the Galaxy was incredibly recent. No, this iteration of the team was very, very recent. Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. goes all the way back to like seventies with like um, yeah, okay. Yondu on the team, uh, um, and then the guy that I mentioned earlier that got frozen. That I've again forgotten the name of Major Victory. Major Victory. <laughs> I was about to say Captain Victory, but that was wrong. And Starhawk. And Starhawk. Yes. Starhawk um, just makes me think of Starhawk's TV show from when I was a kid, so that doesn't help. But uh, again, anyway, more, more character characters that are very different from movie characters is Mantis as well. She, um, I, I think in the movie they kind of had to make her a Drax mirror, not a mirror, but a foil for for Drax. Yeah. yeah. So and, and Mantis, I love Mantis in that movie. I just love Mantis and and Tom Clementoff. I mispronounced her last name. Probably is excellent as her. Well, speaking of Drax, if I got my wish for the next movie, we would have Moon Dragon in there. Yep. Yes. Because I've been missing Moon Dragon, and they you know they put it out there that he thinks his family is dead. Yep. That would be really good to see to see Moon Moon Dragon in in uh, involved in that. And then, uh, and then you could have. Uh, I just love her. And then you could have Phil Lavelle as well. Yep. Is it Phil Lavelle or Phyla Because I've always said Phyla Uh I've, I've always said Phyla. I've always said I've always said Phyla because you're British. Yeah, because I have to say <laughs> things differently, apparently. Because <laughs> I, Sorry, I say Adam. things wrong, apparently. <laughs> but um, what I really, uh, what I never realized about. Philavel, Philavel, is um, who her siblings were. I, I was surprised that you didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't work it out because the velvet, like, yeah, <laughs> it's right there in yeah, the name. It's literally the the family <laughs> name, and I'm like, huh, that's really cool. Oh, <laughs> oh dear, but oh, uh, but her bonding with Drax was very sweet. Yeah, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that to make a mac and cheese. Yeah, but yeah, and uh, and they killed off killed off Ronan in the movies. So angry. Although he he will be back in Captain Marvel two apparently. Suggested. Yes, that's what I've heard. Second time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that's all right. I'm intrigued. I can't wait for Captain Marvel two. And apparently, Secret Invasion is in development with Marvel. So. Yeah, I wonder how they can do that though, especially with like a lot of the rights being at Sony and Sony being like, "Oh, you can only use Spider-Man." Um, well, the rumor is is that um, Sony wanted to develop a Spider-Woman movie involving Jessica Drew, and Kevin Feige heard about it and he wants in on it, much like they did Spider-Woman or Spider-Man rather. So, and honestly, it makes more sense for them to go in together on Spider-Woman. So. If they can do it with with Peter, they can definitely do it with Jess. And if they do do that, that would be amazing. Or, and this is just a suggestion, or Disney could buy Sony. <laughs> Honestly, apparently the other rumor is is that um, Disney did offer uh, Sony um, money for Spider Man way back in the day, and Sony said no. Yeah, I mean they have they have full rights to. Yeah, and um, so then that's when the deal with Peter came where, you know, they would produce, you know, Marvel would produce the movies and, and all of that. And Sony would get the box office stuff, but then Marvel has the merchandising rights. 
So all the money from merchandising for the Spider-Man movies goes to Marvel. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. But I mean, it's it's because like Marvel don't make well, they didn't used to make an awful lot of money from like Amazing Spider-Man and Tobey Maguire, Maguire Spider-Man movies. They made like less than a percent off of the box office takings. They 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 got such a bad deal for that because obviously when Marvel went bankrupt, they had to sell a load of. Yeah, to keep himself afloat, and you know, X Men being one. Apparently, and apparently too, is that Marvel offered the rights of like Cap and Thor and Iron Man to Sony too, and they're like, nobody cares about them. We're just going to take Spider Man. Yeah, yeah. And look at what Marvel did with them. So, although they did, I'm pretty sure they did sell the rights to Captain America because didn't they have like the really bad? um... That was Daredevil. No, no, they had a movie uh, like late '90s of Captain America, didn't they? Uh, they had a movie in the 80s, but that was, I don't yeah. think they did, they did a early 2000 Daredevil. I don't remember anything with Cap in the late yeah. 90s. Yeah, don't don't talk about Ben Affleck as Daredevil. No. <laughs> uh, but, uh, everyone, and everyone was afraid. I remember when Daredevil came out and everyone was afraid that it was going to be a bad, like, and oh my God, Charlie Cox is Daredevil. Like, you, uh, you will not be able to top another Daredevil like Charlie, like, I don't think anyone can do it like Charlie Cox and... That's all I got about he, that. He was on a. It was just again. We've gone massively off off of. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> off tangent, <this> point, but <laughs> From um, the MCU into the. But uh, but Charlie Cox, uh, he went on a British TV show and he went on an interview and he said basically, he struggled with about for about a year after he finished being Daredevil, to to act properly, because with Daredevil you've kind of got a, you know, he has to act blind. And it became right. so much as a, so much of a habit for him that, um, like he he couldn't he couldn't act like a, a normal yeah he couldn't look people in the eye like he would act and then and because he's blind he's not supposed to be able to look people in the eye as Daredevil yeah like and so when it came to acting other roles everyone's like you've got to look them in the eye and he's like <laughs> he's like crap yeah, he had to like relearn the whole <laughs> lot and it was because I think Daredevil becomes such a big part of his life. We are going to do uh, Inhuman Secret Invasion next. So um, we have our writer is Joe Pekaski. I'm probably butchering names per usual. I apologize. Uh, penciler Tom Rainey. Inker is Scott Hanna. Colorist is Guru Effects with uh, letterer Corey Pettit. Um, so this uh, story arc follows uh, Secret Invasion, focusing on the Inhumans. Um during the first issue of the series, Medusa and Crystal are shown definitive proof that the Skrulls have infiltrated Adelan, replacing Black Bolt with a Skrull impo- imposter. Medusa takes the body back to the Genetic Council on Adelan, where they announce that they need to find Black Bolt. Maximus, being his normal tricky self, suggests anyone in Adelan could be a Skrull. Um, by the end of the issue, we're shown that the Skrulls have indeed infiltrated Adelan with the Skrulls attacking members of the royal family. Uh, we're treated to an image of Black Bolt being held captive on the Skrull ship Ribic. He is um, to become the greatest weapon of the Skrull fleet. Um, we then get a brief history of Adelan and how it came to be and how it's about protecting its own people. There's a huge fight scene where Karnak Lockjaw and Crystal all attempt to take out the Skrulls. Um, and one scene where Crystal is showing that she can control Stone as part of her elemental powers uh, by controlling a statue of Black Bolt. Medusa is able to defeat her Skrull, but she leaves it alive for interrogation. We're shown a brief glimpse of Black Bolt being seemingly tortured on the Skrull ship. While Maximus and Gorgon are together, they find out that Ahura has been taken by the Skrulls as well. 
Skrulls have determined that Black Bolt's power is tied to his emotions, and they use the threat of torturing Ahura to get a response from him. The rest of the royals steal the Skrull ship uh, used to get to Adelan, and they go to save Black Bolt. While the Skrulls are digging around in Black Bolt's mind, the rest of the royals head to the Kree, known as Ronan the Accuser, suggesting the old adage, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. The price of their truth is a marriage between Crystal and Ronan. Crystal, of course, isn't very happy about this as she had no input. Karnak uh, devises a plan to infiltrate the Skrull's ship to save Black Bolt, while Medusa and Crystal are sent to Thundera on Earth. Gorgon and Karnak go to Rigel 3 to retrieve a recorder android, and Triton is off to Pelagia, a water planet where everyone looks like him, to find a buried Skrull beacon. Medusa and Crystal quickly begin to argue about everything they've agreed on. It feels like Crystal is put in her place. Um, the end of issue three is all about the Skrull suggesting to Black Bolt that nobody is coming for him, even though the panel show his family is on the way. In the final issue, is all about saving Black Bolt. Karnak and Gorgon fighting and winning against the Rigelans, um, convening to Lockjaw. Crystal and Medusa are in the arena fighting out their differences. But Crystal overcomes Medusa to get the audience with Thundra, where she convinces Thundra to aid them. Um, Triton is also successful in his mission, despite the Pelagians putting up a good defense. With all the royals successful in their specific missions, they head out to save Black Bolt, with Triton getting some new equipment to allow him to breathe in space. Backed up by Ronan and the Kree, the royal family locate the Skrull ship where Black Bolt is being kept. Uh, Black Bolt has already broken free, thanks to Ahura mind-controlling a Skrull into releasing him. And Medusa soon arrives to defeat the White Queen Phoenix Medusa Skrull. Um, each strand of her hair is as strong as a steel cable. It can be very stabby. The family is successful. The Skrulls are defeated. Black Bolt is saved, and he and Medusa have a passionate reunion. Upon their return to Adelan, they soon make a statement. The Inhumans will no longer play the victims. Uh, they make their own destiny now. And this leads into War of Kings. This is this I... is literally like like the the curtain call on like the prelude now. <laughs> It's like, now right. we're going straight into War of Kings. Right. And uh, I have to say, um, one, this is the most Triton I've ever seen in any Inhumans comic. <laughs> but also, it and... wasn't enough of Triton. <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't. It wasn't, but it was still more. Right? You got to we... do something and have, like, pages where it's just him. It's right. Just, it's just the fact that he's kind of there and he's kind of, like, with all the, uh, like, all the Pelagians around him. And he's just like... Uh, yeah, we're gonna fight now, and then you don't see the fight. <laughs> right, it's like the squirrel girl effect. Yeah, right. Yeah, the unbeatable, and fight. they're defeated. Yeah, right. and they're done. We we finished. Um, this was the series that actually made me a huge fan of Crystal because, um, that fight between her and Medusa. I mean, Medusa made some valid points, but Crystal also made some valid points that she's not the little girl Medusa still thinks she is. This is the start of her road into um, all new Inhumans because um, War of Kings shows even more of this as that Crystal is um, very naturally a diplomat. There's a lot more layers to Crystal than I think anyone realized, and I'm very thankful for this series for starting to show it. Yeah. I also like that bit where they're interrogating the Skrull and he's being stubborn, and then Crystal starts to suck the air out of his lungs, showing you that she's not above fighting dirty to get the results she needs uh i really like that about crystal i don't know 
She's I, just I, a lot more badass than people give her credit for and a lot more powerful than people give her credit for. And, and this series starts to show all of that. Yeah, it kind of it shows her much more as a um, like a political player as opposed to just a <clears throat> just as a, you know, a bystander almost. Right. Um, she's, she's she's very powerful and one to watch. And I feel like in the right hands, she could become an impre- incredibly popular character and i'm very very sad that we didn't get more of that in all new and humans it got canceled i think but she she is very powerful and i don't think any comic has really done her justice they haven't and it really upsets me when she's she could be every bit and if not more powerful than storm i think because she unlike storm she has the ability to control the earth as well and she can manipulate weather just as much as storm can and she can also go down to the atomic level where she can, I don't know if Storm can suck the air out of people's lungs. I bet you if Crystal wanted to, she could boil your blood. I really think that there are things Crystal can do that people haven't really explored yet. Make her a villain. No, I don't think I would make her a villain, but I'm telling you that, you know, if she wanted to be, she would be very scary as a villain because... That's, yeah, that's kind of things- my point. I think... I think um... It's kind of it's just putting the whole uh, like superhero thing on its head. I think that would be really it would be a really interesting way to go for Crystal. I think she would be one of the few characters I would like to see that as. But that's just me. I wouldn't want to I mean, see her as a bad guy because there's this this bright light to Crystal that I think out of all the Inhumans, she's family. She's the most compassionate, yeah. um, and that's what I love about her. So I wouldn't want to see her be a villain, but she could very easily be one. But I'm glad she's not. <laughs> make it an alternate universe story yeah but i way. i i just think there's so much more to her and you know i know the x-men haven't touched base with the inhumans yet but if they do i would like to see crystal be the liaison for them i think the, yeah. only, the only people the x-men have touched base on now at the moment is uh is the fantastic four and that's well, no, they, they <laughs> like some weird truth with wakanda too don't they uh, not really. I mean, no, no, no. Actually, they don't have any kind no. of deal with Wakanda right no, now. That's, they just leave each problem. other alone. That's one of the few. No, it's not even that. They just don't. They don't agree with each other. Oh, so. <laughs> I see. I haven't been reading it because I just don't like the X Men. But I mean, if she's going to be the, if she's the diplomat, like she was in All New and Humans, she needs to continue that role. And I think there are lots of interesting stories to tell with that angle. I just hope we get to see more of it eventually. I think um, I think my kind of downer on this series was the fact that there was no follow up from uh, from Silent War. Yeah, because uh, that ending was, was so like... big and it was leading up to something, and it's just kind of <laughs> yeah. We never yeah. got our Luna Maximus showdown. No, it, it just cut to Maximus is in charge now, and he's bored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like I mean, it would have been really nice to have David Hine come back and do some kind of. You know, some kind of setup, but then it was—it just all gets forgotten. And it's like there's only—I think there's only like a year or two years between that book and this book, if that. It's like they decided to do War of Kings, so they just shifted gears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, that we—the story that we got instead is is very good. I won't lie. I mean, this is this is a really good story. It is a very good story. I I really enjoyed it. Um. Black Bolt is uh... Black that Bolt. poor guy. Yeah, and this was like really yeah, there's always... in this where I'm sitting there and I'm just like, ooh, that hurts. Ouch! <laughs> you know, always, always with Black Bolt getting stuck into horrible contraptions and having 
surgery with no anesthetic. Yeah, yeah. Guess. And having his voice used against, you know, against him. Yeah, and the fact they were going to try and turn him into, like, basically the universe's greatest weapon. <laughs> they do yeah. that to him all the time. Yep, yep. It's either he's always, like, stuck in the contraptions and surgery, or he's always, like, misused. I guess a bit like Crystal, really. Like, he's always, yeah. he's written either, he uses his voice every now and then, and he kind of, like, whispers and takes people out. And it's always kind of like that deus ex machina sort of thing. Um Except it's, you know, it's just his innate ability. But... Yeah, with Crystal, like, I, I, my biggest complaint with how Crystal is used, like, I, and it is misused because Black Bolt is, is kind of the same thing with Black Bolt. Well, similar, but different. It's, it's misused, that, but in the opposite direction, basically. Right. Crystal's misuse is that they always focus on her man drama. <laughs> yes. And despite the fact that I feel like War of Kings and, and Secret Invasion did a lot to show that she's just more than her man problems, even in, in War of Kings and Realm of Kings, that's still, uh, you know, is still a problem. It's just about who everyone seems to focus on Crystal's relationships with her with with men, um, which bothers me. A bit. It's, it's very odd because, again, this is one of those things that's kind of like stemmed from... <sighs> And it, it stemmed from years of just kind of her being misplayed, you know, or, or uh, wrongly displayed. I guess I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I have, and I it, you're right. It's, it's a problem with Black Bolt too, because you're right. He always winds up in some weird contraption or surgery or having his but, throat cut out. Death of the Inhumans. But I mean, for him, and, it's it's slightly different because he's kind of he's got a specific ability that people want to abuse. Whereas Crystal is just kind of like she's played for a very stereotypical woman female character right and yeah that's that's the frustrating bit about crystal because yeah and it, and, it, and the problem is with both of them is that these two things occur to them a lot and frequently and it's like they can't think of anything different to do for them and and maybe maybe when maybe when the inhumans do make a return uh whoever ends up writing them will actually write them uh well <laughs> i think uh, although and again, I'm going back to all new Inhumans because James Asimus was clearly going in a different direction with Crystal. Yeah, he he made her and, leader. Right, and then the book got cancelled, and I would love to see more of that Crystal because his Crystal's been my favorite. And then we go back to and Charles Soule's writing it, and he has Medusa dating Johnny, and then again, Crystal is it's all about Crystal's drama with her ex boyfriends again, and that bothered me. I, I kind of I, I tell you what I would really like to see is I would really like to see Crystal on a like on a guardians team. Yeah. Like that would be that would be like my ideal position, you know, that would be for her the best position for her, I think. You know, I think you're right. I would agree with that. I was I was actually thinking the Avengers myself put her back on an Avengers team. I I just I just felt like because she is so closely related to the all like the cosmic stuff. Yeah. I think it would make yeah. it would make a lot of sense for her to go on a guardians team. And I can just imagine like her and Lockjaw being on a guardians team. Um because I, I think Lockjaw works on a Guardians team. Well, he, uh, he, he did. Uh, yeah, and he I was think, on the Guardians team for a little Crystal, bit. I think the Guardians could use with some use someone who's a bit diplomatic. Yeah, exactly. And and yeah, I agree with you, Adam. I am like all on board for that. I think that would be that would be my ultimate like you know my ultimate place for her. I agree with you. You. You've got my you've got my support in this matter. <laughs> I'll go and write it now. I'll go and uh, I'll go and start writing it. That's good. 
Just say, hey, Marvel, can we can we have Crystal on a Guardians team? That'd be great. Thanks. But... Uh, well, I've got my pedantic nerd complaint about it, though. At multiple points in this series, Medusa calls Black Bolt by the wrong name. Yep. I agree. His name is not Blackagon. Yeah, again. Over and over. And then, like, the last time she calls him by the right name. So I find it really amusing that Joe Pekaski was... Um... You know, he wrote this book and he got this like kind of real basic mistake, and then he went on to be like the writer or, or showrunner, whatever he was, on Cloak and Dagger on Hulu. Um, you know, and also where was the editor? <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I, yeah, I, I, I think this was literally put up to be a an introduction to the Inhumans for all those that were just buying, uh, just about to buy. Realm, uh, War of Kings. It was kind of like because they have that uh, that typical issue, you know, in issue two they have that typical kind of refresh on what the human in humans are and what they're about and where they come from. And uh, yeah, four issues wasn't enough. No, it wasn't. It was really good though, and I thoroughly enjoyed every second of it. And again, this is what made me a big fan of Crystal and this in um, War and Realm of Kings. Just. Yeah did so much for her character so this is this is my crystal series and i love it I even think, though she uh, if, if if i had an option i would get this like i would have had this written by dan abnett and andy lanning andy lanning yes and and have them all tie in together properly yeah but the only other thing i'm gonna have to say is um when we find out that the scroll in silent war is black bolt which means that it wasn't really that medusa it's very yeah. similar to the Tigra and Hank Pym business. Um, and Johnny Storm and Elijah. Yeah. yeah. So that that's how many characters now sleeping with a scroll and didn't know it. And then Tigra actually had a kid or Tigra. How, I'm so bad with that name. I always want, I always want to say Tigra. I, I say but Tigra. like it's it's always like the, the, I none of that sits right with me. No. At all. No. No. And the fact that they play the Johnny Storm situation for laughs instead of it being horrible makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's kind of it, it's stuff. In like the this. recent Dan Slot series, they've they've made some jokes at Johnny's expense. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's that's kind of, not it, cool. it's it's stuff like this where you know, it's, it's joked about, I guess, in that situation. I don't think I've actually read that issue yet, but it's, it's kind of, it's in a situation like that, it's played for laughs because it's almost like the 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 banter, the lad's banter, isn't it? It's it's not like, you know, even, it's not acceptable, but it's kind of funny because it was him and, you know, that kind of stuff. It just, I don't, it doesn't sit right with me either. Yeah. It's, a, it's rape by deceit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but. But. Yeah. On a, on a on a more positive note, it is it is quite a good series. I mean, other than the pedantic bits and all that kind of stuff, it does portray yeah. Crystal particularly well. It also, I think, it also portrays uh, Medusa quite well. It kind of does show mm-hmm. her leadership qualities, even though you might not agree with them. Right. Um, you know, and it shows that actually both those sisters are very very good at what they do. This is what made me an Inhumans fan, and I love them. <laughs> And I do love the use of the stained glass windows in this series. Yes, the, I thought that was fantastic. They are beautiful. 
Yeah, I, yes. I thought I thought the art in this was uh, was pretty good. I think it it kind of suffered maybe sim- slightly similarly to um, sort of Deadly Genesis in the last episode, where sometimes it didn't mesh. But those stained glass windows, I think, were the best art in this series. Agreed. So, and Tom Rainey, the the artist, is just a super nice guy. Yes. And if you ever see him at a convention, when we can have conventions again. Stop he by goes, and say hello. Yeah. Stop by, say hello. Get a commission. He goes all out on his commissions. I have a couple. And they're just gorgeous. Is he the one you got the uh, the Medusa commission from? Is that him? Now, I've got a that was Fraser Karnak. Irving. Yeah, I have Fraser Irving Medusa. Uh, I've got a Karnak and Beta Ray Bill uh, okay. from Tom, and I also got a Captain Marvel from my friend's daughter. Ah, oh, that's great. That's really good. No, I was thinking and, of, a, of, a, of a... Oh, the, the Beta Ray Bill is so cool. That's it. Beta Ray to... Bill is a character that is growing on me the more I learn about him. Beta Ray Bill is one of the most underused, underrated characters in, in like, Cosmic Marvel. <laughs> uh, I like um... how... You need to um... see his, his journey into mystery with Lady Sif. Yeah, Did you and... catch his little silhouette in uh, the uh, second Thor movie? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, and he's also, um, I think it's his face that's up on the, uh, like, the big tower. The Grandmaster's building. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, who, who's, the, who's the writers that uh, kind of, like, really took him into their own? It's the the couple, isn't it? Oh, he, he started in the Walt Simonson Thor. Those are great. That's the one, yeah. Walt Simonson. And uh, was his wife on that as well? I think so. Yeah. And uh and, and their their run on Thor is one of the best runs that I've from what I've heard anyway. And again it's one yes, of the ones I need it's to phenomenal. Yeah, I need to pick that up in trade. And and they wrote um they did they introduce him or did they did they do a run for him? Introduced well? him. No, yeah. he was created for that. Yeah. And And um, it's it's a page turner, it's you're not gonna wanna stop. Yeah. So that's one of the books I still need to get because Betty Road Bill is one of those bo- one of those characters where I just haven't got enough of. <laughs> and by not Honestly, enough, I'm pretty sure all I've got of him is the uh, Death of the Inhumans books. So, yeah, and his his uh, his bro TP with uh, Lockjaw is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Although those stories need to be written and they need to be written soon because they sound fun. Yes. They do. So. Like even if it's just like a one issue, like one shot issue, it just shows like different stories, or you know what I'm saying? That would yeah. be fun. So tell as we just uh... backup stories, like they did in um. Oh, for like uh, oh crap! The series did have lockjaw backups. Yeah, I can't remember. That was definitely him. Once the Future Kings. Once, Once the Future, future King, Kings. Yeah. Yes. Because then that kind of it seemed like the popularity of those one shots then kind of went into Dan Kibble, Kibblesmith on Lockjaw. Yes, that's what it felt like anyway. <laughs> but seeing as we've um, we've kind of got onto that subject, what are we all reading, or what have we read in the last few weeks of lockdown? Um, I haven't read much of anything because I've been playing Warcraft. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm halfway through. Brett Morrison's Seven Soldiers of Victory. And just before that, I finished a novel called The Raw Shark Texts by Stephen Hall. Okay, so... And it was great, but it is really hard to describe. I highly recommend it, but it's weird. It's about an... (laughs) 
It's about an amnesiac who's being hunted by a conceptual shark. See, I, I really want to know what a conceptual shark is. It's it's hard to describe. It's not a it's not like an <laughs> actual shark. It's an idea shark that can get you anywhere. And it eats memories and your sense of self. Okay. And it, it's a neat book, you know, the, the text is used to make images and there's like a little flip book part of it. It's not quite as weird as like reading House of Leaves where you gotta turn the book upside down and backwards <laughs> and stuff until a mirror. I, I think I think there's I need a lot of fancy like stuff going on with the the type. I, I need to buy some books like that, definitely. <laughs> you know what I am going to when you're done, go ahead. I was gonna say, even though it, it is really weird, it still reads like a thriller. That's good. I I, no, I, I I highly recommend it. See, I've never been a huge fan of like thrillers in general, but that that book has really intrigued Same. me. Just because like the the you know a conceptual shark it's like well what the fuck <laughs> you know what what is that what so that, that sounds right? that sounds like something i really want to read if you want something weird um actually um i, I did read uh the robbie thompson tie into empire with the meet the scroll i can't even remember what it's called i think it's road to empire um i can't remember his name but robbie thompson wrote it and it's got his meet the scrolls family in it and um, the artwork is by uh, Madia de – I can't remember his last name. He did Jessica Jones um, and Javier Rodriguez. And it's probably one of the most beautiful single issues I have ever read in my life. Um, and if you – you also need to read Robbie Thompson's Meet the Scrolls um, because it's amazing. So read that. And, uh, yeah, so if we're going to talk about recommendations, I think you should read those. Yeah, I mean I – mean- my my recommendations really <laughs> i've been reading an awful lot of trades like i've been re- reading a ridiculous amount of trades at the moment um i finished off uh i hate fairyland which ended um i didn't finish that yet but i love that series it's so good <laughs> it is really good and the ending was um was satisfying for what the book was if that makes sense I'll let you finish it, but it's it's um for it's anyone a... not familiar with Scotty Young's I Hate Fairyland, it's about a little girl named Gert who uh gets stuck in Fairyland for thirty seven years. So it's this child with the adult mind of a thirty seven year old and she's gone a little bit crazy and bloodthirsty. Yep. And it's hysterical and the art is off the walls bonkers. It's so great. And what I really liked about it is the fact that, um, you know, you have like you have this other character that comes in and they say oh, it should only take you a day to get out of Fairyland, and it's taken this this girl thirty you know thirty odd years to do it. And, and then like, the long suffering fly that follows her around. I tell you, so done. So my favorite bit about that book was like the origin of the fly. I did not read that part, and I, I can't wait. You can spoil it, but... I was going to say, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to spoil it, because I think we've got to, you know, a lot of listeners and stuff, but what else are we reading? Uh, Venom, Up to Absolute Carnage. That was very, very good. I really enjoyed that by Donny Cates. I kind of like how they've turned the whole Venom uh, history and origin kind of on its head slightly. Um, and Daredevil by Charles Soule, because that's... That funny enough. It's got is, Frank McGee in it. It does, yeah, and that's kind of the reason why I picked it up originally because I think you, reader. you read it. Does it have reader in it? 
It does have a reader in it at the very end. And oh, reader, I haven't got to the very end yet. You're spoiling it for me. Ah, uh, well, no. Now you have something to look forward to because yes. you know readers coming. Yeah. So I'm currently I'm at currently at volume six, and I've just ordered volume seven and volume eight because um, I think I think Charles Soule. I'm a big fan of Charles Soule. I think he did a great thing with the Inhumans. I think Daredevil is a really good read. Um, I don't think it's very similar to a lot of previous Daredevil. I think it focuses no, a lot very more. Different. It focuses a lot more on 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 uh, Matt Murdock as opposed to Daredevil. There's a few interesting storylines in there. My my favorite one is the the Purple Children one. Um, but uh, yeah, the mm. Purple they're a weird concept. They 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 were in Mark Wade's run too. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I need to get Mark Wade's run because that looks really good as well. It was excellent. Um, actually, um, funny thing about there are a couple issues of Mark Wade's Daredevil um, that were drawn by Javier Rodriguez, and I think those issues are what got him the Spider Woman solo, and which is why because Javier Rodriguez was coloring that series, and then that's why Matt Wilson stepped in because yeah, nice little yeah. things. Yeah, the more you know, the more you know. Um, that run is also excellent, and uh, the current run by Chip Zdarsky is holy shit. It's so uh, good. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I'm going to pick that one up in trade. Once I've finished um, Charles Soule's uh, run, Chip Zdarsky's is where I'm at now. Yeah, um, and there's like a there's a mini bridge between the two. Yeah, it's like um, a one shot, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's like four issues. I think oh, okay. it's not a one shot. I think it's like four issues. Maybe, maybe, yeah, it's it's more than one issue. I think, but it's really good. But uh, one one other thing I will mention, and because uh, I'm going to go off on a tangent massively if I if I don't shut up soon. Um, but I read uh, God Hates Astronauts by uh, Ryan Brown. And all all I will say is if you ever pick up God Hates Astronauts, don't expect to really understand at all what you're reading. <laughs> Good to know. It's like, Okay. It's, it's, the, it's one of the funniest books I've read, but also one of the weirdest. Um, uh, according to my Goodreads list, I've only read the first two volumes. I've still got to read three. But what the point I was going to get onto is Charles Soule and Ryan Brown um, both produced a comic book called Curse Words, which came out between... They're running a Kickstarter for that. Yes. Yeah. So it, the, the Curse Words came out between 2017 and 2019. So I think it's 26 issues. And they've recently just made a Kickstarter for it where you can get all like 700 pages in one massive book and uh i i do urge you guys go if you if you enjoyed the story if you enjoyed the book curse words go and back their kickstarter because they are such nice people um i think lynn lynn met him uh for me actually a c2e2 in yes. 2019 um and i met him this year uh and he he, he drew just random stuff I know exactly what he drew, but it was just kind of the it was it's the stuff that comes out of his mind is just weird. It's just yeah, bonkers. And, yes, uh, I, I got to meet him and, and deliver the message. Oh, what was hi? That? My 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 friend Adam wants me to tell you that he loves you. <laughs> I forgot that. I forgot that. I think I told him that at NYCC one year for you too. Oh, uh, it's he's it's just it's just whatever comes out of his mind is just it's just hilarious. His art is is genuinely really good, and you know I I urge you all just to go and pick up anything by him. God hates Astro- astronauts is a very good book. Um, also they he he's uh yeah there's really good rewards and that kind of stuff and 
Yeah, go find him. And then the other Kickstarter, which uh, Lynn might agree with me mentioning, is um, the Dreadstar, which... Yes. Saying that, it's, it's going to be over by the time this episode goes out. I think it's literally over in like six hours um, at the time of recording anyway. But uh, Dreadstar is a very good good story. It's written by Jim Starlin. Um, Ominous Press are putting a Kickstarter together for the for the next couple of volumes for that one. Um, although Lynn, you went and got the all three volumes, basically on the first yes, one. I did. Yeah, <laughs> you parted with a lot of cash for those. <laughs> um, y- yes, I did. Yeah, but I bet they Worth look every bet, penny. I bet they look wonderful on your shelf. They do. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so oh boy, they were heavy when they arrived. Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to getting the next two volumes because I only bucked the first one in the last last uh, Kickstarter. So I'm very much looking forward to those coming in. Um, if you're a fan of Jim Starlin and Guardians of the Galaxy and Thanos and that kind of stuff, he's very good, very good story to get behind. I think that's pretty much it, isn't it? <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah, like, like we said, it, we, we're always looking out for questions for our next comics book, comic, new comic book episode, which should be when Marvel come back at the end of May. So if you want to ask us a question, go to our Twitter, which is at AtalanRising1, or email us at the show at AtalanRising.com. But thank you for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time.